0: Experts getting interviewed. How you can be a better person in 2024? What's your new news resolution, we get asked. So the top 10 include lose weight, quit smoking, drink less. Or on the flip side, there are positives. Exercise more, eat more healthily, get more sleep, or learn something new, travel more, spend more time with family. My family were talking about fun, achievable things like try a new shape of pasta every time you get the chance. (laughs) We have from the life of Joshua what is possibly the best resolution you or I could make for 2024. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Just want us to understand the context so we can see why this is such a worthwhile goal. The Israelites, God's chosen people, have come into Canaan, their promised land. They've settled in, built themselves cities, and enjoy peace and prosperity. In Joshua 21, three chapters before what we just read, says in says from verse 43, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them. For the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. So by now Joshua's an old man. He's overseen the conquest of Canaan. But he's really concerned about the future of his nation. And God speaks to the people through Joshua in chapter 24, which is the passage I read. We have recorded a rededication by the people to God. So the end of one year and the start of another is a really good time to just reflect on what our great God has done for us. I just want to look at it under three headings. Um, The first one is Joshua just contemplates the goodness of God and the greatness of God. And that comes from verses 1 to 13. If I'd been reading with emphasis, you would have heard, I think, 16 I statements by God. Uh, Joshua gives an abbreviated history of the children of Israel, and it really highlights what God has done for his people. Those patriarchs were revered in Israel: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They were these great men, the founding fathers. God cuts to the chase. He says, "Before I called him, your father Abraham, he was an idolater. He was a pagan. But I took him, says God, I made him mine. I blessed him greatly." I gave Abraham his son Isaac, the son of promise. I gave Isaac his sons. I directed things so that Jacob's family went to Egypt. I sent the plagues on Egypt. He says, afterward, I brought you out. I brought you into the land on the other side of the Jordan, meaning into Canaan. I delivered all of these other nations into your hand. And then to wrap it up in verse 13, God says, look at what I've given you. You didn't have to work for this land. You didn't have to build these cities. You get to enjoy the fruit from these vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. So God through Joshua says, Stop. Think. Reflect. Where have you come from? Consider what you have and how you came to have it. And God calls us to do very similar. In his wisdom, God gives us times and seasons, birthdays, anniversaries, the start of a new year. Maybe... You've kind of just fallen into Christmas and New Year. You've been so preoccupied with living that you've forgotten to stop and reflect on what you have and how you have come or where you've come from. So just take the opportunity to take a breath and think about what God has done in this past year and what the opportunities might be for this new year. You've got life. Every breath is a wonderful provision from God. You have health. You've got a body, and for some of us, a body that works reasonably well. Family, you get to experience the love and security that comes from belonging. That's really important. Friends, people that care about you and shock they enjoy being with you. We live in a great country. We have freedom, stable government, excellent living conditions, a nice climate, relative economic prosperity. All these physical things, we can be thankful for them. But what about the things that really matter, spiritual things? If you're a Christian today, consider where you have come from what you have now. You're an enemy of the sovereign Lord of the universe. You cared only for yourself and pleasing yourself. But God intervened. He took you out of darkness and brought you into his marvellous light. I love how God always manages to make the songs fit. Your soul is secure. Your eternal well-being is assured. And through our Lord Jesus Christ, Christians are showered with blessings, spiritual blessings, assurance, peace, real happiness, satisfaction in living a life that has meaning. I don't want to sugarcoat this and pretend it's always plain sailing. You might be in a good situation now spiritually, maybe physically. But as you reflect on your journey to date in life, you've had ups and downs. But through this, God has had the good of your soul in mind, each one of you. He's been working all things together for good as part of his great plan to glorify himself. Remember how Joseph viewed what he'd been through? He had favouritism. He was sold into slavery. He got the dream job. Then he gets falsely accused. He's wrongly imprisoned. And from that, he's promoted to governor. Following Jacob's death, he reassures his brothers with the words on the screen there in Genesis uh, 50 verse 20. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So Joseph had a right view of the providence of God. So consider the circumstances that God ordered so that you could hear the gospel and be saved. Your family dynamics, your work environment, your school friends, whatever it was that brought you under the sound of the gospel, let's just praise God for that. So today at the start of a new year, it's a time to contemplate what God has done for you. God doesn't promise a smooth ride for his people, but he does promise he'll do what's best for them. He's like a father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Now, many of you who will have given gifts to other people in the past week, it's lovely to get a cool present, but what a great feeling to give someone a gift that makes them really happy. God's like that. He loves to give good gifts. So praise our great God for his faithful care of us. The second thing to consider today is the challenge that joshua uh, gives the people here he's set aside in front of them all the blessings from the hand of god and he says joshua 24 from verse 14 now therefore fear the lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in egypt and serve the lord And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the lord choose this day whom you'll serve whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. So what's the challenge? Serve the Lord God. Joshua highlights the choice the people are faced with. If you don't choose to serve the living God, your choice is to serve other gods. The gods of the people where you came from or the gods of the people in whose land you now are, the place you conquered. Not to serve the living God means you're serving another god. So what's it going to be? Make your choice. We started talking about New Year's resolutions. People will say, right, this year I'm going to insert whatever. There's a place for such resolutions, but let's be serious. What's life about? What is life about? Why are you here? Well, the Christian worldview holds that the chief purpose for a person to exist is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. So, if you profess faith in Jesus Christ, then you need to get in line with that guiding principle. Choose whom you'll serve. Joshua did. He says, I will serve the Lord. What's your New Year's resolution going to be? And what are the characteristics that this, of this service that Joshua challenges us to? He says, Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. God wants our hearts all of our hearts we have a phrase for someone who does something without putting in the effort we call them half-hearted going through the motions without conviction in matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, jesus is uh focusing on the essence of service quoting from the book of deuteronomy he says you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind it's all or nothing No half-heartedness, no fence-sitting. That story of Elijah defeating the prophets of Baal, when there's that competition to see which of these gods is the real deal, the Lord God or the prophets of Baal, their God. There's some really insightful wording that's recorded in 1 Kings 18.21. It says, And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. It's a really good description, kind of limping along, unable to commit one way or the other. God despises that. And then in Revelation, we have Jesus writing to the churches. In his letter to the church at Laodicea, in Revelation uh, 3, he says, I'll know... I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. That church is described as being lukewarm. It's kind of like a day like today. You've been outside for a while and you come back to the car and you're going for that cold bottle of water and you expect it to be beautiful and refreshing and <coughs> it's warm and what do you do you spit it out it's disgusting and your immediate reaction is just that spit it out that's the picture here jesus says actually more strongly i'll spew or vomit you out of my mouth it's really graphic language but that just shows us how much jesus hates half-heartedness in his service either we serve the king or we do not joshua was a leader He's a good under, he has a really good understanding of human nature. Listen to how he contends with the people um, from verse 14 onwards. He says in verse 14, put away the gods that your fathers served and serve the Lord. And in verse 15, choose whom you'll serve. Verse 16, the people respond, far be it from us, that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And in verse 18, we also will serve the Lord for he's our God. Joshua just really pushes them. Do you realise who the Lord God is? He is the sovereign Lord of the universe. Don't mess around with him. And in verse 19 he puts it bluntly. Actually, you're not able to serve the Lord for he's a holy God. You must forsake your foreign gods. The people repeat their claim, verse 21, we will serve the Lord. Joshua further challenges them, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. God has a zero zero tolerance policy when it comes to sin. So should his people. So what are the other gods that might be among us? There are many. Maybe for middle class Australia, they could be summarised as finances, friends, family, food, fun. Finances, money. Luke 16, 13. No servant can serve two masters, either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Money allows us to buy stuff. Having it or lots of it doesn't make you a better person. Luke 12, 15, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So don't make money a God. Use it to serve the living God. What about friends, popularity, status? proverbs has much to say about friendship in proverbs 19 verse 4 wealth brings many new friends it's a bit of a spin on the previous point remember what happened to that prodigal when his money dried up all his friends left him but a true friend is concerned for your soul so just be wise in choosing your friends don't make friendship your god what about the god of family hang on family How can that basic unit of society that God has ordained become a God to us? Well, by putting it in the place of God. It could be seeking to please a parent at all costs, to be, you want to be all that they ever hoped you would be. It could be dating on your child so that they control your life. They get their way over and over again. And that means you don't spend time with God. What about your wife or husband? You might have been sucked into the vortex of rom-coms this last week. I wasn't, um, and heard the, that movie phrase, I don't know how I could live without them. It's just that subtle dependence on your partner in place of God who gave you that companion. Just don't make family your God. What about the God of food and drink? Lots of it, excess. Or being so conscious of watching what you eat that it dominates your life and distracts you in your service of God. Making sure you have the latest experience of the latest taste sensation. Tonight, how many people in Wangaratta will seek solace in food and drink? God's given us all these things to enjoy, but let's not obsess about them. Don't let food or drink become a god. What about the god of fun? Pleasure, sport, sex, drugs, new experiences, the next thing. It's not limited to any particular age group. The toys just get bigger and more expensive. The experience is more eclectic finances, friends, family, food, fun, so I could remember them. None of these things are wrong in themselves. They can all be used wisely to God's glory, but when they take the place of God, push him to one side, take priority, they become our master and we're their servant. Remember, God says it's all or nothing. Sin is serious. Joshua's language is forsake, don't accommodate. Go back this afternoon and read through Genesis 31 and compare that to Genesis 35. In Genesis 31, Rachel flees from Laban, her father, um, with Jacob, but she smuggles away some of her father's idols. And you get to Genesis 35, Jacob marks his resolve to follow the living God and he takes those foreign gods from his household and disposes of them. Quite a difference there. So Joshua challenges the people to make a choice. Were they going to serve the living and true God? And then finally, Joshua's commitment. Joshua led by example. He walked the talk. In verse 15, he says, For me and my house will serve the Lord. He wasn't concerned to be with the majority. Majority's not always right. Joshua is concerned with what God thinks. He correctly understands who God is and what God is like. God is holy. We saw that in verse 19. Joshua leads by example. He's committed to serving his God. He says, as for me, me as an individual, I'll serve the Lord. God intends for his people to be part of a body, the local church. But a person isn't saved corporately. A person's saved as an individual. Each professing Christian is accountable before God. God won't just wave you through on the last day by saying he or she was associated with this church, so that's okay. No, we all have to give an account before God. Joshua also leads by example in his family. He says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That doesn't mean he got out the magic wand and went, everyone in my household is going to believe. No, it's just a statement of faith by the head of the house that this house of Joshua would be a household of faith. The word of God would be taught, the law of God recounted, and the activities undertaken by that household would be examined in the light of God's requirements. So God, if you like, was at the forefront of their family's mission statement. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So how can we do this? Ruth read for us Romans 12 before. Those first four verses, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's quite a well-known passage, and there's a good reason for that. Paul has spent 11 chapters in Romans Demonstrating that a Christian is someone who has been saved from their sin and the associated judgment of God, not because of anything in themselves or that they've done, but through the free and unmerited favor of God. So Paul says, because you've been saved, because of what God has done, if you like, that's that contemplation piece, point one, live a life of service to God. It requires effort, discipline, sacrifice. But you know what's really interesting in Romans 12? Paul then unfolds, if you look down the next section there, how we are to live in a way that pleases God. What's the first thing he states? Get a right view of yourself in relation to others. You're part of a body. Do your bit humbly. So if you want to gauge how you're going in your service of God, just work your way down chapter 12 of Romans. It's not those high, mostly not high-profile activities, rather things that are done quietly and few people know about it so by testing you may discern or prove if you like what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect so how are we going to be transformed according to romans 12. will you wake up tomorrow morning the first day of 2024 jump out of bed no one's going to jump out of bed tomorrow and say right this is me living transformed most people don't get very far with new year's resolutions It used to be thought that it took 21 days to form a new habit or break an old one. Humans are more complicated than that. Motivation peaks around fresh starts. Studies show gym attendance is higher on Mondays and Tuesdays but drops off as the week progresses. Forming a new habit really depends on the person but also the behaviour itself, how much time and effort it takes, cues that trigger it. I'm not here to give you a lecture in psychology. But there's a clue in Romans 12 and in Joshua 24 as to what we need in order to change spiritually. Joshua tells the people bluntly, You're not able to serve the Lord. So we need the but God of Ephesians chapter 2. We heard about that from Aaron in the Ephesians series recently. We were dead, spiritually dead, but God made us alive, spiritually alive. Christians are people who've been saved by grace. Importantly, we're saved from something to something. Saved from sin and death to a life of service. You recall further on in Ephesians 2 that God is the master craftsman who's prepared good works for us to do. You can't save yourself and you can't keep yourself serving God. You need God working in you to renew you so that your life can be a living sacrifice. You cannot serve the Lord without the Lord. In the book of Joshua, right back in chapter 1, when Joshua gets handed the baton, you're the leader of God's people now. God encourages encourages him repeatedly. And the kids know this. Be strong and courageous. He says it multiple times. Be strong and courageous. And then he says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a great comfort. Joshua was a leader and the christians here are all spiritual leaders in one way or another you might have formal responsibilities of leadership elder deacon youth group leader teacher in kids church a parent a grandparent or maybe in an informal way you're leading a small group bible study you might be an older person who the younger seek for wise counsel you might be 18 and like it or not the younger ones look up to you we all have an opportunity to be a positive influence and lead by example so have you resolved to follow the lord is your focus apparent to those around you especially in the church maybe you think it doesn't matter that much how you go about serving god you've made your profession you might have even been baptized joined the church got the badge maybe in this church you've got the t-shirt it's all good Maybe you've been a professing Christian for many years. You held office, organised all sorts of outreach events, been regular in attendance. That's great. But just reflect. Has indifference crept in? Where once God was front and centre, other things are starting to edge him out. Finances, friends, family, food, fun. Maybe those gods you harboured, like Rachel, are getting you into serious trouble. Don't play games with God. It's your eternal well-being that's at stake. And what effect... Are you having on the souls of others? It's a very sad statement, a page over or a screen flick over in Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. Judges 2 reading for verse 7. Sorry. Um, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen. All the great work that the Lord had done for Israel and Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. If you know Old Testament history, then you go into the cycle of the book of Judges. Parents are responsible for teaching their children about God, who he is, what he requires. They're also to be like Joshua and lead by example so children can see what serving God looks like. But each person is individually accountable before God. We see that departure from God can happen really rapidly within a generation. So the challenge for each of us today who professes the name of Christ is, by God's grace, with his help every day, to wholeheartedly serve the Lord. Before we close, I'd like to just consider one other passage, um, part of this passage. I want to look at these, at the large stone that Joshua set up. Reading from verse 24... And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law and he took a large stone and set it there under the terebinth, that's a tree, by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you lest you deal falsely with your God." So Joshua set up this witness stone. I kind of visualise it like a massive tombstone, but it was a big stone. Um, Who was it a witness to? It was a witness to the people. We also have witness stones. The outward sign of professing faith in Jesus Christ is to be baptised. There are people who witnessed your baptism, if that's happened to you. There might even be photos or a video. might even be online. You might have joined this or another church, might have taken vows of membership people heard you make those promises they're a witness to you but we have other witness stones in our life Jesus tells us to go into our closet somewhere private to pray to our Heavenly Father so is there a closet in your house took me a while to realize I didn't have to go into the cupboard Um, but is there a rug beside your bed a chair in the lounge room maybe your dog or your cat that's a witness that can testify yes Here's a person who laboured in prayer as part of their service to God. Or, does the bed or couch or pet in your house testify otherwise? Hours wasted on things of no consequence. Just think, what are your witness stones? What would they say about you? So we've explored some serious things today. As we look toward a new year, who will you serve? How are you planning to serve your God in 2024? Contemplate what God has done for you meet the challenge and resolve to choose to serve God with your whole heart and with his help be committed in your service what about if you've been here today and this is sounding like a bit of a psychological pep talk finances, friends, family food, fun is that what you live for? Um, Colleen mentioned road and safety Uh, I haven't looked like most recently, but 11 o'clock yesterday morning, 251 people had been killed on Victorian roads in 2023. That's 251 people who were just going about their lives like we will after this. This time of year, they were celebrating a successful year of business, catching up with family, heading off on holiday. Then their lives ended abruptly, without warning. Are you ready to face the holy God who you've offended? He demands perfect obedience In yourself you've got nothing to offer, you're guilty, but God is merciful and he sent his own son into the world that all who believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I commend to us all this resolution that Joshua made to serve the Lord. Only then will you find real meaning and satisfaction in life. Amen.